Bookworms Horror Podcast is sponsored by Creepy Crate. Creepy Crate is a horror and true crime subscription box filled with spooky collectibles, macabre accessories, and terrifying goodies. Each bi-monthly box is filled with over $85 of terror and includes at least one horror or true crime book. This box delivers dread to your doorstep for just $39.99 with free shipping. Go to creepycrate.store to subscribe. Use the code bookworm5 at checkout to get $5 off your subscription. That's bookworm5 for $5 off your subscription. And now to the show. Welcome to Bookworm's Horror, the podcast that offers you tips on writing, especially in the horror genre. My name is James Zipliti. I am the host of the Real Demons of Pop Culture podcast. The latest episode of the Real Demons of Pop Culture is all about Psycho. If you haven't picked up issue one, it's too late. It's sold out. But issue two is still available. Etsy link is in the show notes. And I'm working on issue three with Regina. That should be out in early October. In this episode, Regina and myself talk about facing the blank page, and we also go on a rant about whether you should go to school or not. Regina is a Wadi Award winner for Best Horror Novel, as well as multiple screenwriting awards, including a Webby honoree. Regina is also the contributing editor of the best-selling Local Haunts, a horror tube anthology. Find Regina and her alter ego, Batilda, at her booktube channel, Regina's Haunted Library, and on her blog, rstclair.com. Regina and myself are the editors of the Bookworms Horror Zine, and since we're seeking great horror fiction for bookworms, we created this weekly podcast to offer writers quick tips on writing for the genre. Find all our links in the show notes. Now let's jump into my conversation with Regina as she speaks with me from her haunted library. This week, we're going to talk about facing the blank page. Regina, Uh very easy to face the blank page or no? Actually, it is. It's one of my favorite parts of the writing process is the blank page. And I get very excited. And I usually have an idea of what I'm going to write. Like, for example, I know when I finish this book, current book, the first thing I'm going to work on is, uh, a fellow booktuber is putting an anthology together. You should check it out. It's going to be like, um, it's a criminali. And he does this thing called Garb August, which you read nothing but garbage books during the month of August, which <laughs> I participated in. I read that book. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember Lace from the 80s? The miniseries? No. With Phoebe Cates. And, um, it was, oh, really? I, gotta, I love Phoebe Cates. Oh, yeah. She's in Gremlins. <laughs> I, that's right. She is. Uh, and it took me the whole month to read that book because it's like 800 pages long. But anyway, he ha- he's doing a he's putting together an anthology. So I'm really looking forward to starting the story that I'm going to write for that anthology. And I'm going to submit it, but I can't even begin to think about it while I'm still working on my book. So I'm going to be looking at that blank page soon. And I can't wait to to jump in, if that makes sense. So you're, you see it as this exciting opportunity to start something new as yes. opposed to some people's, they stare at it and they fear that it's just 
Every, because honestly, it's that paralysis by analysis or whatever, too many options. Like when you look at a blank page, every single opportunity and option exists. It's like this everything, mm. everything that you can possibly think of is a possibility for this story. And that's overwhelming. That, I, yes. But that's why I usually have, like, I, I know at least what the genre is that I'm going to be writing for. So I having parameters and constraints really help when you start off. Uh, like one thing I do, and it's another true confession about things I spend money on is I, I have had a really bad habit of buying pre-made book covers. I have a whole file full of them. And then I will, because I something about the cover really appealed to me, it gave me an idea. And then I'll pull up the cover and I'll write the book based on the cover or the story. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So I, I guess I don't start with an completely everything, completely a, oh. like anything, because that could be really paralyzing. Yeah. I also think, and you know, I don't believe in anything when it comes to religion, but I do feel as a creative person, you have to believe that there is a process that happens, whether we don't understand it doesn't matter, but you have to trust in that process that I'm going to start this story and I will be okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can say a couple prayers. It's okay. <laughs> well, yeah. If that's your, if that's you know, your thing or meditate or whatever. Yeah. Whatever that is. Um, but, and if you're really scientific scientifically minded you can just say that your subconscious is going to be there to help you find where you should go with this story mm -hmm. and that's the thing because i think a lot of people are just afraid and when you're facing the blank now to me facing the blank page is every creative thing it's not just writing right mm -hmm. so trying to write a new song uh maybe you're gonna come up with an idea for a you know a painting or a drawing how do you go? You just, you do it. Now there is a practice that people say for writers that you should just basically do stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I think so. I think I've tried that. Or, or like a, there is uh, something that's, uh, that the surrealists were really into called automate. I think it's automatic or auto automatic writing, automatic writing yeah. where you just start writing and it's kind of like mad libs or, you know, when you just kind of make things up and that could be really a great tool. Yeah. Or just I, give yourself, I, I also love timers. I'm, I'm a big believer in timers. Like if you have a blank page, set the timer for, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever, or 10 minutes, if that's too painful and just write what, just words, it, it, you know, it doesn't even have to be complete sentences, just write words that pop in your head and see what comes out. I have a timer. I'll put it in the show notes if anybody's interested in it. Um, and it has, it's a clock, but it's a cube. And mm -hmm. so what you do, it, the smallest is, is five and then 15 and 30 and 60. And so when you want a 15 minute, you just turn it. So it says 15 on the top and it'll count down. Is that um, like an actual physical cube? Yeah, it's a physical okay. cube. That's uh, cool. So I find it useful. So I'll put it in the show notes if anybody wants okay. to pick that up on Amazon or something. Uh, but that is definitely something that has worked for me. And now I really can't sit for the hour. I know you can. You've done like these weird seven-hour 
madness yeah, runs just, things just, just once <laughs> for me i can do like 15 minutes and it's called what the pomodoro method yes I think is what it's called uh, yeah that to uh, me he does like the pomodoro method is like 20 minutes that's yes. not enough but I, I'll, I i'll do like an hour but my writing session is generally like three hours yeah and that includes stretching and going up and getting more coffee and that kind of thing okay yeah, I think that the reason why people say to just do the automatic writing or to just type stream of consciousness is because once you do that, there's no longer a blank page. Right. And the hardest part is like just getting started. And once you start typing, don't worry about what it is that you're writing. Do a page or two pages of just writing whatever, and then the juices are flowing and you're going to keep going. Yeah. And it's also about, and this is, I think, the, the biggest challenge for any writer, and I know I still struggle with it, is trying to turn off the, the critical brain mm. when you're writing that first draft. Do you know what Ray Bradbury had at no. his desk for that? He had a little sign that said, don't think. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And think of the amazing stories he wrote. Yeah. And and it's so imaginative, but it's it's like yeah. If you're thinking, I know I I know uh, authors who I think are way too hard on themselves before they're even out of the gate. You know what right. I mean? Like, oh, this is stupid. This is a stupid idea. It's like it's so hard to turn that off. It's really really hard, but it's worth working working through that or then like getting mad at yourself because you can't turn that voice off. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've experienced that too. I think that the more, the more I've, I've written and the more books I put out there, the less I care. Yeah. I think it's just becomes, this is my job and this is how it works. So mm -hmm. I was also again, researching gremlins and the writer, Chris Columbus. What I think is fascinating is that the original script for Gremlins was like R-rated. It was Billy's mom gets her head cut off and it rolls down the hill, uh, the steps. <laughs> there was uh, the Gremlins went into a McDonald's and ate everybody but left the food. That actually would be pretty cool. <laughs> it would be, right? I was like, wow. But he was talking about how Spielberg's like, look, we got to do this. And it was Spielberg's idea to have Gizmo mm. stay kind. Like be because cute. Yeah. in the original one, he turns evil. Um, but he said it was like six or seven or eight drafts. And he's like, and it's wow. like, that's when I was like, yeah, writing is rewriting, you know, and you got to just put that out there. Yeah. That I'm just going to write this and not think and just put, don't worry about it not being good. Cause it, it might not be. Yeah. And it might, it might be good enough though. And it might be good enough to, for you to finish it and move on. I mean, not everything is our best effort. It just, it, it doesn't like, even if you're cooking a meal, sometimes it's going to really taste great. Sometimes you'd overcook the rice, you know, it just, it happens. And I always look at know. creativity with the idea of a giant block of marble, mm. right? Because to me, everything you do, I think can be visually explained that way. Like when they, when they're creating the big statue of David, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, the very first draft, if we want to call it that, is going to be just the basic rough shape of that. Yep. 
right? And then you kind of go in a little bit more and you tweak it and you tweak it. And it's not until the very end where you're doing the fine details. But each one of their stages in sculpting that apply to, I think, every creative endeavor. Yes, I agree. And I, the I idea that agree. you should be able to sit down and have a David statue at your first draft <laughs> is ludicrous. I know. I know. that That is so true. And this you learn through experience. And you also learn through... I hate to say it, you learn through rejection because yeah, you shouldn't hate to say it. No, like, shouldn't hate to say it, but I we, think people have, that's, that's where the fear comes from is, is being rejected. Having your story rejected feels so personal, but until you really figure out exactly what you're doing, you're going to get a lot of rejections. Well, you know, there's a Buddhist story that, um, I don't know if it's the Buddha or a, a monk or someone who suffers some kind of loss. And he's instructed to go to every house and knock on the door and say, you know, have you had someone die in your household or know someone who, and everybody does, everybody knows someone who died. Right. right? And he realizes that's just part of life. Suffering is part of life. And it's the same thing. I would challenge any of our listeners to go to every writer and ask them if they've ever experienced writing without rejection. Right. And I'm talking even the famous ones. There's not a writer out there who has written something and did not experience rejection. That's part of the process. Yeah. Part of the job. Even like with you talk you were talking about screenwriting, that how many uh movies have had like, you know, this screenwriter was fired and then they oh, brought yeah. this other guy in and now they got this other person and then they've got three people on the job and they, they started all from scratch. You know, like that. And, and of course, that's writing to a very specific type of thing. And you've got Spielberg saying, ah, it's not good enough, you know. Right. But. Well, it's, I was just listening to. You got to get Joe over Dante. the fear. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to the Joe Dante interview that was from years ago on This Is Some Scene. And you can listen to it on. It's out there. But the one thing he brought up was, you know, because I think Chris asked him if he was attached to this project for two seconds. He's like, two seconds? I was attached for that for a very long time. He's like, the thing is that directors, you see these big gaps in their IMDb profiles. And he's like, ah, they're probably in rehab. You know, like, <laughs> he's like, no, there are so many projects that you are working on for years even. And then they get rejected. They don't even go anywhere. Right. They have all this stuff they're working on that doesn't go anywhere. And that's huge in Hollywood. There are so many projects yeah. that, that people what, put. What's the word for it when they they put green them in? Greenlight it? Well, if they're not green, oh, greenlit, it's called. Cancel? No, uh, it's like when they put them on the shelf, it's in. Oh, man, I should know that. Oh, it's yes. Regina and I just couldn't think of the word, but it's in development. The uh, project is in development. And a lot of times you get to option, a, a studio would option your script. So that way it's on hold and no one else can buy it while it's optioned and in development. Yeah, that, I mean, that's experiencing a lot of rejection and I can see why it it's hard on people's soul. You get, and, and then you see like stuff that you're like, this is crap. How did this make it into like a hit movie or something? Speaking of that, and I don't think it's crap, but I just watched Cocaine Bear last night. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't I see it. I loved it. I bet you, know, you did. Interesting. First of all, I think Kerry Russell's a great actress, and she's great in mm-hmm. everything. Uh, then you had the dude who played Solo, Alden. He played the young Han Solo in the movie. Okay. He was great. Um, and you also had Ray Loyota. I guess it was his last film because it was right before he died. Oh, right. Yeah. And at the end, it said in memory of Ray Loyota, who's great. Mm. Um, and it was directed by Elizabeth Banks, which oh, that's I didn't right. know. Yeah, I knew that because is- she mentioned that at at the uh, when at the Academy Awards. She was like, I I directed a Cocaine Bear, and I was like, Wow. Yeah, but it was a fun movie. And it looks fun. Is, yeah, and this is something that like you would think there's no way this is going. You know, how well, did this get made? But it it was great. Well, remember Snakes on a Plane? Yeah. Or Sharknado? Sharknado. I've never seen Sharknado. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, I have. It's funny. Yeah. But, you know, like, not that you aspire to make Sharknado, but when you're facing that blank page, you've got to not be hard on yourself. Right. And And, and and, I I, I think writing Sharknado was probably a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. So maybe it's about getting over the fear is have fun writing and and be write something that might be like oh this sharknado this is so stupid and it could turn out to be such a classic yeah i mean i think as entertainers your job is to entertain and if it entertains you in a way where so because there's so many people who just thought sharknado was so stupid and fun Mm -hmm. and had a good you know it's a good memory you know like if that if you leave your leg like your legacy is that i made sharknado and made people laugh you know, that's not so bad. You could bad. do a lot worse than that. Yes. But I think the other thing that is important is there has to be more honest talk about the writing process. I don't think people understand. They only see one side of it. They see, like, the the success. Right. They don't, and they see, like, not, nothing in between. And I think if it's more like, look, if you want to be a doctor you know that you got to go to school for a long time and then you know you're going to be doing these really long hours and you're going to do all this stuff. You know, it's not like you just be like, I'm a doctor, you know? Right. There's a process and and you know that process because it's out there for people. Like if you want to become a doctor, here's how you become a doctor. The writer part, and this is probably any creative world, is that we skip that and we just say, I want to be a writer because you saw Stephen King, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you see how he's living and he's got money and success and all this. And you're like, I want to be Stephen King. Okay. Well, here's what that looks like. Right. And we don't see that. Right. And also like, like you can, you can be a doctor, you could go through medical school. And if you get your degree and you pass all your exams, then probably a pretty good chance that you could have success. But in the arts, it doesn't work that way. You can go through, you can get a PhD in creative writing and never get a novel published or, and that's, that's not easy. That's not an easy reality to face. It isn't. I was, uh, I was listening to kind of half listening to someone. uh, It was talking about, I think it was Bill Maher was uh, doing, uh, talking about the writer's strike and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's, kind of coming from a smug position because he's very successful but he was saying you know the he said his he agreed with the strike but he said the problem is a lot of people think that the world like in the arts let's say that the world owes them a living just because they got their sag card or something 
and the arts don't work that way. And he's right. They don't work that way. You can have the best education in the world in any art form. And I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but that doesn't guarantee you success. I wouldn't say it's a waste of time, but I don't think it's the return of, on investment is, is not there. No, it's like, not. Uh, it's not like you said, going to become a doctor and putting in that for your, cause you'll probably be able to pay back your school loans. If you become a doctor, Yeah. not if you go, I think going to school for becoming a writer, not, no, it's really I mean, dumb. Come on. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you get like I did, I got my teacher's license along with that and, and had some practical skills that, that comes with its own bag of problems. Like, you know, then you end up doing that and not doing your, your writing. But uh, yeah, there are no guarantees. I think, I think arts education is probably extremely overrated. The best part of having, like Joe and I have discussed this, the best part of having an arts education, which we both went to art school, is to get away from your environment, like your family, and have yeah. new experiences and meet new people and, and meet like-minded people and have fun and do crazy things and, and hang out in a lot of bookstores smoking clove cigarettes and that kind of thing, you know? All right, but can I... Like, <laughs> all right, you're coming from a different generation. I know, Let I me know. Ask you Rub this. it in. No, but what I'm saying is, would you pay $100,000 for that experience or more? Like, that's the thing. No, you're, but it didn't cost that much back then. It did? It didn't cost that that's much back point. then. That's my point. It does now. So you, all those things you just brought up, you can do for free, basically. Yeah. And you're coming from a, a, a dad with kids yes, going yes, to college. I, yeah. And believe me, one of my kids <laughs> is in school for film. And I'm like, okay, you know how much this school costs? You can make your own film with this. Yeah, that that is actually true. Yeah. And I've heard people say that. Uh, so there are different, you know, there's different values attached to education. And I, I do think that it's probably a better education in this stage of the game to just travel because you don't need to, for example, like when I went to art school, I had to be in an environment where they, there was a, an art house movie theater because you couldn't watch Italian films like Fellini yeah, films at, right. at my local Cineplex mall theater. Right. So I needed to be, and I wanted to be in a culture. And then when I moved to New York, there were things that you could only do in New York, like see, foreign films and go see music. And now everything is the internet. You could teach yourself anything. Right. So what is the value of college uh, except to get out of your environment and experience something right. new? But in a, at in that a structured price tag, way. I don't think it's, I it's think worth you it. Can, yeah. I, I'm not seeing the value, but we should do a whole episode on this. Yeah, no, this is a good topic. Yeah, it's a great topic. But let's jump back. The, mm -hmm. the face the blank page. Oh, yeah. I think, See, we've been I, avoiding the blank yeah. page. <laughs> <laughs> I think, though, the, what we brought up was, again, no guarantee, mm -hmm. but you have to work as if there is a guarantee. Like you, you can't work less because there isn't a guarantee here. That's the hard truth that you brought up. Right. Like if you go work real hard to become a doctor, there's a good chance you're going to make some money if you're a good person, you know, mm -hmm. and not Kevorkian. But, you know, I think, I wonder if that's going to go over people's heads. No, I know who you mean. No, I know you do, <laughs> but I wonder if anybody else younger does. Oh. Anyway, huh. look it up, Dr. Kevorkian, if you don't yeah. know. Anyway, what I'm saying is like, 
your chances of actually getting out there, and I think it's better today because of the internet and because of book tubes and all that stuff. I think you and you can self publish. The gatekeepers are kind of not there right. like they used to be, but you still have to work really hard. Yes. Like you can't be like, you can't let that harsh reality bring you down. Yes. And I would say one thing that it, the being in a school program does force you in a certain discipline that you might not do if you were self-directed. In other words, like when being in school and being forced to read the classics, let's yeah. say. Yeah. I'm so yeah. grateful that I did read all of those books because like, you know, I don't, I don't pick up Hawthorne too much on my own, although I have at times, you know, a certain moods, I'll pick up something more like classic literature, but having that foundation and spending semesters on Shakespeare and, and poetry, it taught me a lot. And I'm really grateful for it. Doesn't mean I, it turned me into a Shakespeare or a Hawthorne, but I, I have an appreciation for, for the structure by reading those uh, and right. studying those works where I think today there might be a little bit too much bluff. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I went to school for music. I mean, I and, write horror, and, so it's a lot. And, of you know, they forced us to listen to all these classical arts, uh, you know, songs and then to tear them apart and break them down, hear the motifs. And I appreciate that I had that educa education. Mm -hmm. If So here's what it breaks down to. If you can afford it or your parents can afford it, fine, do it. If you can't afford it, then you need to be disciplined to be able to do the things we're talking about on your own. Yes. Or find some kind of drill instructor uh, yeah. in the arts who will who will push you. But yeah. other because it, it it is a prison, this the 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 debt. Oh and God, you, yes. One thing I say, like, I really believe if you want to be a true artist, live way below your means and self-educate and be around like-minded people who love the arts. Yes, and I would I would advise any artist to go to the best cheapest art school versus like a university like go into like they have like adult education classes at every community college and and arts just art schools in general like yeah. you could go to university arts and you don't you don't have to go be in the fine arts program you can the same teachers teach night school usually also, or, or weekend you can audit. classes. You, there you can are, audit, yes. Pr Princeton University, I could take classes at Princeton University, even though I'm not a student, uh, because I'm, in, I'm around Princeton. I'm in the community. Mm -hmm. And so you get, you don't have to pay. You I, Even if you do have to pay, it's so cheap. It's like really ridiculous cheap, but you're getting a Princeton education yep. with these people. And that's all you need. You don't need the paper because nobody's going to be like, uh, let me see your degree before we publish your book. Oh no, not at all. And, <laughs> and in fact, your story, your story as an artist, it, the more colorful it is, the better you will be uh, a chance of getting published. You know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. somebody who was like working in the steel mill in Pittsburgh and like in flash dance and then became, <laughs> you know, a ballet dancer, that's a much better story than, Oh, I trained and you know, you yeah. still have to train, like you still have to learn. But I mean, it, it, think about it too. That's the beauty of being an artist 
is you don't have to take the straight and narrow path. You shouldn't take the straight and narrow path. You should do uh, take some risks, but you don't want to get yourself in a hundred thousand dollar or more debt because you're not making going to make very much money, and that could put you in a really bad situation. Yeah, and if it's if what you're doing is about money, and that's what you're after, there are so many better ways to make money than this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> And so think oh about it. God. If money is your ultimate goal, then Choose maybe, something else. Yeah. <laughs> Get on Wall Street or something. Figure yeah, out and then write a, write a great book about Wall Street. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we had a lot to talk about. Yep. And um, I am excited for future episodes. So am I. This is and, fun. Yeah. And uh, again, by the time this episode's out, we might, we will be either... Yeah, we will be close to, if not already there, of issue three of Bookworms. Yeah. So I'm hoping you guys can check out the Etsy link in the show notes. I think we have three issues. If by the time this airs, we probably won't have any issues of book number one. But right, book yeah. two is still available. And hopefully book three, by the time this airs, is either available or very, very close. So keep an eye yeah, out for um, it. And if and you probably missed the deadline for the Halloween issue, but I think we're going to be doing a holiday issue. So uh, think about some, that, so there's your blank page. Write yeah. A, write a short story. Holiday and hey, holiday theme. Jump all over. It doesn't have to be Christmas. I mean, there are so no. many holidays that even going back to like Sawan is how you put yeah, it. Yeah, Sawan. Yep. Sawan. Yeah. Well, that's, um, but that's Halloween. You mean Yule. Yule. Because it, yes, it would Yule, be, Yule. it would be the, the Christmas time holiday, but it doesn't have to be Christmas. It could be yeah, a lot could, of different it things. It could be Hanukkah, you know, mm -hmm. anything that's around the holidays that you want to do, even Festivus, which is the Jerry Seinfeld one. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely send those to Regina. And I believe everything is in the show notes for that. Yep. Um, you're not going to email it. You're going to actually send a physical copy yes. of your story to Regina and the address will be in the show notes. Yep. All right. Well, until next week. All right. Have that a good was fun. time. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Bookworms Horror Podcast. All our links are in the show notes. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Bookworms is a Gorilla Delphia production. Yeah!